Hey, hey, welcome to LDS Transitions. So the other day, when, I think it was like Saturday or something, um, I got a phone call. This is a St. George number. I'm like, that's weird. I don't really know anyone right in St. George, and anyone that I do know is in my contact list. And So I let it go to voicemail, and sure enough, they left a message. Uh, I get a lot of spam, as I'm sure most people do. Um, but uh, this was unique enough where I'm like, uh, I'm not touching that. <laughs> and so, sure enough, they left a message. And, well, it is November. And November of 2020. And uh, is the, the executive secretary. Uh, I've never met the guy. Um, I had to look him up online to see what he looked like or who he was and he's moved into the ward um i guess a while back i couldn't give you his name if i wanted to um and uh so he left a message saying hey i'd love to set up a time with you to meet with the bishop for guess what tithing settlement and i'm like yeah that's hilarious that just it partly made my day I wasn't triggered too bad by it but I just think it's idiotic uh, the bishop knows I'm not going to pay tithing my wife specifically told him that um, that I wasn't wanting to pay tithing and uh, he uh, and uh, she wanted to pay tithing anyway, and he said, well, don't do it behind his back. And as far as I know, she hasn't been paying tithing. Hopefully not, because I think that really stir the pot for us. Um, but uh, it just really ticks me off that he has the gall to tell his executive secretary, yeah, you know, I've never met the guy. He probably doesn't know anything about me. If he does, it's because Bishop feels that he can share stuff that we never gave him permission to share on, you know. And uh, so he's calling up, and it's like, okay, so is the Bishop, you know, he's somewhat new to the ward. He's not going to know everyone. Um, there's not a lot of attendance on Zoom or in person, from what I can tell. And so... He's just, you know, what, he's assuming that that uh, he's going to call just everybody in the ward and people are going to respond and jump up and down. I mean, we've got probably maybe 40% active right now, if that. Um, and that was probably before COVID. Um, it may have been closer to 50 to 60%, but... Um, you know, the ward was probably a little bit better off than most, but there's a lot of inactive, um, or people that come and go and aren't really on the radar, and there's a lot of do not contacts. Uh, so, uh, it's just interesting that I got a call, and I'm like, okay, one, either the bishop is just totally freaking clueless, um, and he's an idiot, or he thinks that he can give us blessings and help save our souls and provide for us. And it's like, whatever, dude, don't call us into 
when we haven't been paying tithing, don't call us in to have an interview with you for for tithing settlement when we haven't paid you a dime this year. And I think last year was close to the same. I may have paid a little bit, but um, for the most part, I hadn't. I didn't pay at least... Oh, I'm guessing if I paid, it is only probably about three months' worth, if I'm remembering right. Um, It may have been less than that. And so maybe it wasn't any at all. I'd have to go back and check. But I did check, and so over ten years, you know, we put quite a few grand to the church. Um, It's kind of sickening what we could buy with that money um, where we would probably be a lot better off. Uh, I know that my uh, retirement fund sure could use some padding. But uh, so I just think it's very irresponsible that a bishop knows that there's a mixed-faith couple, knows that the one that's bringing in the dough in the family isn't paying tithing, doesn't want to pay tithing, and it's troubling to his wife, but she's been counseled to, you know, not pay behind his back. And we haven't paid any, and I've been very upfront with the stake president. I don't know what he shared, but we've been pretty black and white of... Well, not we. I have been. That I'm not paying tithing. And I'm sure that it stresses my wife out. I'm sure she's not happy with it. Um, If she wants to get a job and pay tithing on it, hey, you know, whatever. That's, you know, I'm not saying my money is my money. But I don't want to pay with anything I earn. Um, If she wants to make money and contribute to the church, that's her prerogative. But as far as I'm concerned, she's a full-tithe payer, and I think the bishops even told her that. Um, And so I think it's ironic and sad in so many levels. The church thinks that they're authoritarian for, you know being gateway keepers to eternal salvation, to blessings, and assumptions that, hey, we're going to be less worse off by um, not having, you know, the church and the blessings and, you know, keeping our covenants, if you will. Um, So, in some ways it's a trigger. In some ways it's more just you know it's it's hilarious to me that they're such idiots because our marriage is on the line and they're trying to contact us i'm sorry but we should be on a list of do not contact these people in regards to tithing settlement it's pretty easy uh who would you contact well Someone that's been paying their tithing that obviously is faith-based. If you're not paying your tithing, or if it's pretty obvious that you're not paying a full tithing to the bishop, 
you know, if you're in uh, financial services and you only paid 2000 and you, you know, are in a house that's worth 500000 or something and your house is paid off and you've got boats and everything else and you only throw two grand at the church, yeah, they're, they're probably not paying a full tithing, right? But who's to say during this COVID season? Regardless, why not just call those that, you know, are... It's just going to be such this pressure of this judgment. I mean, if you are a young adult, if you are in the church, and you haven't been paying your tithing, feel free that it's okay not to feel guilty about it. You don't have to go and show up. You know, the bishop talks about, well, I have to report to the church, you know, and I'd rather not do so without you know, blessings, and you won't get your temple recommends signed, and yada, yada, yada. Do you know what? Just throw that guilt and shame away. Don't let it trouble your soul. You know, if you believe in it, just work on going forward. Forget about the past, do what you can, and if you don't know if it's true or not, you know what? Go and research tithing and how it's changed over the years. Go and research that is it okay to contribute to different organizations other than the church. Go and research, um, you know, what you will and find out your truth between you and God. Don't let a bishop who thinks he has authority and keys over your salvation throw that out the door and work directly with God. That's my two cents, you know. It's your belief. You need to feel good, but don't let someone trump your spirit and trump you and make you feel like you're not worthy, that you're not <coughs> any much as worth as anybody else. Uh, one example, okay, and then I'll get off the whole tithing thing. Um, Sister Nelson goes with her husband to... I want to say it's Nigeria, but it's Africa. And they're teaching people about tithing. And she uses the example of something to the effect of, you know, you pay 10%, but, you know, if you want more blessings, pay on what you would like to earn. So, you know, if you're making, you know, let's say someone in Africa is making you know, 2000 a year, you know, cost of living is not much, but they don't have much, right? They're lucky to have food and clothing and second-hand store and probably not the best clothing, probably dirt floors, everything else, right? Maybe not running water, et cetera, et cetera, right? And she goes and tells them, you know, pay tithing on what you would like to earn. So let's say they're like, well, hey, I want to earn $10,000, and so this person is thinking, oh, I'm going to go and I'm going to pay $1,000 in tithing when they get 2000 a year and they're struggling? Oh, my goodness. You know, because if someone has faith enough, it'll work out, right? Maybe it will, you know. Sometimes when people are put in tough situations, they can, they can grow and they can find success because they're put to the grinding stone and they have to produce, right? 
but those people that just keep hitting the pavement over and over and over are struggling to have food and clothing for their kids. And then they're told, well, you know, pay on what you'd like to earn. You know, but to get eternal salvation, make sure you're paying your tithing because otherwise you can't go in the temple. Does this not sound like, you know, the people making money at the temple and Christ turns the tables on them and is just furious? Did Christ not already pay the price? And doesn't he tell us in the Book of Mormon, in Mosiah, I believe it's Mosiah chapter 4, I'd have to go back and look, um, how to treat the beggar, how to treat the poor, and yet the church has a slush fund of hundreds of billions of dollars, and their surplus goes into that each year, they have a fixed budget, and you know, in the past they've at least been, you know, staying to their budget and then they have maybe a couple billion left over that they throw in the slush fund, if not more. You know, the mall was supposedly paid with money that wasn't from tithing, but yet tithing money is thrown in the slush fund for whatever's left over. And then the malls... Uh, they had two withdrawals, one for um, rescuing a bank, and then another for the mall. Um, you know, oh, that was years ago. Well, that's not the full story. Yeah, well, you weren't filing your... Um, <coughs> you weren't doing any filings, but all of a sudden you decided to start filing... Uh, well, we have this arrangement with the government. You know, we're a religious institution. You know, don't tread on us. You know, this is our right. This is our sovereignty. This is our, you know, freedom of speech, freedom of religion. You know, we're not going to be transparent because, hey, then the devil has additional ways to attack us. Well, if we were transparent with our funds... Boy Scout of America, those people suing the church would have gone after a lot more, right? There's a lot more liability. Well, yeah, there's a lot more liability to do what's right. When you don't do what's right, people sue because the church doesn't get how to apologize and how to make things right. They don't know how to teach their clergy sufficiently, right? <laughs> yeah, so I really went off there, right? But, uh, <laughs> so, yeah, Bishop, uh, if you're listening to this, yeah, um, maybe tell your executive secretary not worrying about follow following up with us anymore. Oh, and by the way, uh, my wife would like me to baptize my daughter. Um, yeah, I feel worthy. <laughs> so, uh, how about it? I still have the priesthood. You guys haven't disfellowshipped me. You haven't excommunicated me. Um, I don't believe any of it. Sure, there might be a God. But not in the context of the narrative that's been presented over the, gen over the generations. 
and oh if I'm looking for signs not really but I am looking for the fruits of the spirits that help testify of how of who are prophets and what is truth and guess what doesn't add up so I know if anyone's a believer and is listening to this this is hard stuff and you're like oh, he's just bitter I'm bitter because I can't move on. I'm stuck with the church. I have to choose between the church and my family because the church doesn't give room for me to live in both worlds. They don't give room for salvation despite the messiness. The best thing to teach bishops and stake presidents is, hey look, our history is messy. You know, we believe this is truth, but we found out over the generations that God isn't finite and literal in exactly what truths are. So we're going to give people leeway when things don't add up. We're not going to judge them. And if they don't want to pay tithing, that's okay. Yes, they can still baptize their children. Um, Temple, they probably don't want to go in, and that's fine. But if there's a wedding, we'll let them go in as long as there haven't been any egregious adultery or something like that, right? I think it's interesting. I used to ride a pulling van with a uh, with an ex-FBI agent, and he practiced in Utah for a little bit as an agent. And he he retired from the FBI, and he uh, he's working for the corporation. I was working for at the time, and so he'd sit in front periodically or whatnot, and and we'd talk about stories and stuff. Um, and one time he talked about how <laughs> I don't remember if other people were in the van or not, but he talked about cases where you know you'd be surprised about how many bishops out there, or stake presidents, you know, are being investigated by the FBI or arrested type thing, um, and what do they do? They say, oh, hey, can you hold off on this lawsuit and pressing charges, or this pressing charges until after my daughter's wedding? You know, I, I really don't want it to affect me being able to be there. You know, they're a, they're or, hey, uh, you know, I'm in a stake leadership position. I'm in a stake president. You know, this is going to be really embarrassing to the community. Can we hold off on pressing charges until that's over with? Or, you know, what can we plead da- down? You know, there's no... Re- it's like when it comes to financial crimes and stuff, it's like there's, you know, there's men in power that bend the law and that do things that suit them, and cheat on, cheat others, and they're judging people as judges of Israel, you know? But yet there's no discernment. Um, it's probably one of the hardest things as a youth growing up, thinking that your bishop or stake president or mission president had discernment over you. That is a crap show. That is a crap show. Having guilt and shame wash over you, thinking that, hey, they know, 
your thoughts or something to that effect, you know, it's just like, it's a cult, and the reason why I can say it's a cult is that it's affecting my family, I can't be honest and authentic with my beliefs, or my changing beliefs, or what I don't believe in, with my wife. I have no safe place with her or my children. You know, my my daughter said, "Hey, you know, I would love to be able to serve Jesus and go on a mission." You know, she asked what a nun was, and I I gave her my interpretation of what I understood a nun to be and you know that they dedicate their life to God and you know, they don't get married, have kids and stuff like that. Theoretically, right. <laughs> um, sorry, I shouldn't laugh because it's really sad. It's really sad when there's graves of babies that were aborted or killed or whatever. Um, it's a tragedy. But um, my daughter's like, I would love to serve Jesus, you know, and she, it's so sweet. And it's like, well, awesome. I'm so happy for you that you would like to do that. You know, and it's like, I'm giving space to her to be able to do that and to have a belief. But it's like, oh, I just don't want you to go through that. I don't want you to meet with a mission president or be talked about, about numbers and how many people you're talking to and thinking that people are you know, messed up and aren't going to be saved because they have a nicotine addiction or whatever else, you know, it's just sad, and that, that, you know, hey, the world's going to end soon because, not because of, um, not because of, uh, environmental issues, but it's going to end soon because people are wicked and they're, you know, they don't, believe in Jesus, or they, you know, they, they say bad words, or they, um, you know, they're, they're not living the word of wisdom, or something to that effect, it's just, really, is that where we've gotten to, so, um, anyway, those are some of my thoughts, I just had to process, that's what you have to do when you're in a mixed faith marriage and when you're in a faith transition. You've got to process stuff. So if you listen to this, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry you listen. It's me processing. But if you're going through something similar, no, you're not alone. It, it can be hell. You know? And so I'm enjoying the time I can with my kids. I don't know how long it'll last. Because my wife goes from A to Z. I've talked about that before. You know, I have no, absolutely no idea how long I'll be staying married or have my kids. And so it's like, I try to enjoy it. I try not to get tired and stressed out. And I try to go with the flow, you know. And <laughs> my, uh, one of my daughters, she's pretty young and she loves playing hide-and-go-seek. But... Uh, <laughs> she's not good at it at all it's just too cute you know she she uh she goes and hides and and uh 
she'll shout out, I'm ready, you know, <laughs> and she's like 20 yards away and, you know, hiding behind a couch or something, and you're just like, you know, she's peeking up over the couch, seeing if you're coming type thing, it, it's way cute, it's way cute, but, uh, um, you know, so <laughs> it's like, it's awesome to play with her. I'm gonna miss those times if if that happens where it's separated, but the church doesn't give a crap. They don't give any room for this. They are not about the one; they are about the ninety-nine. But yet, Christ was about the one. So, where's the fruits of the spirit? They're not about the gaze. They're not about, you know, they're not about going after the marginalized. They're about saving the majority. You know, there's a family that, well, there's several families that uh, were involved in a, in a sexual abuse case against the church. And they were called for persecuting against the church for standing up and sacrament meeting and telling people to protect their children, to not trust the leaders, to protect their children. <laughs> and they go around the stake and they say, hey, there's persecution going on. You know, these people are just looking for money. They have alternative, you know, processes. They have alternative motives. It's like, no, they freaking care. They're in so much pain. They're standing up and saying, hey, watch your children. And people are yelling at them and, you know, trying to pull their phones from recording and everything else. And being furious with them and saying it's persecution. Is that how Christ would have handled it? Would Christ have sat sent his attorneys, dirty attorneys after him to um, make him feel like crap and requesting their journals and uh, then berating him in court. You know, just dirty politics. How many attorneys does the church have in its leadership? How many talks are there that are fear-based? It's more about protecting the majority than the minority. So, food for thought, but I'll let you rest from my from my voice. But uh, hopefully there wasn't a, a lot of external noise. And hopefully you're having a good day and that you're taking care of yourself. Practice self-care. You matter going to be stronger authenticity is beautiful beautiful be around those that you can be safe with you know if you can't be safe around family make sure you're safe you have other avenues to be safe with make sure you know it's okay to process anger frustration sorrow feel it process it get help use a therapist get help online get help wherever you can So, take care. Love you all.